You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger. It is Wednesday, the 20th of April, and we've got an interesting show tonight. We're going to be focusing mainly on some Final Fantasy, some Walking Dead, and even some WoW, which we haven't touched on for quite a while now, but one of us got into the Legion. Beta. It was me! Yeah, bastard. It would be hilarious if it wasn't you. <laughs> really? Dude, I would have rubbed that shit in like nobody's yep. business. So I don't fault him. Vince doesn't doesn't know the harrowing story, and I won't repeat it for public years, but I'll tell Vince off camera one day. And uh, he can hear the interesting story of what happened. All right. Anyways, let's start with some Final Fantasy. We are a little bit late with this this news. But there was a crap load that was dropped on us. That was, what, the week before last, was it not? Uh it was the end of March. Yeah. Well, we had the, the interview the week last before week, last, so that's why. We were going to talk about it before my internet exploded. Yeah. And then we had the interview with Sissy. So it just is a little bit late, but still pertinent. We want to talk about it. So go ahead, Vince. Yeah. They had their big unveiling for the entire Final Fantasy 15 franchise, apparently, because that's a thing people wanted. Uh, the big news out of the way that it's finally being released on September 30th worldwide showed off a new trailer. Game does look very pretty. I will admit. And for those who haven't been keeping up, the concept of this game is you play Noctis an exiled prince from his homeland of Lucis, where uh, it's been conquered by the Nilfgaardian empire. And he's off on his own uh, with his three best friends and their road trip to, find a way to free their homeland so it's 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 eh. <laughs> like, you know, am i the only one that every time i see that image of them in the car i just want to scream get in losers we're going to go see final fantasy <laughs> yes, it's you are. not a completely terrible concept they just don't seem to be doing anything terribly interesting with the concept so i like we've said since it was announced I, it i'm not super into it I would like to be if if there was more to it, you know, from what I've seen, they've got this expansive world that they've built. Did you see the map that showed like the size of mm-hmm. what was that? I think GTA five and then Witcher three and then fucking Final Fantasy 15. And it's well, huge. They can also do that because I'm going to assume in traditional Final Fantasy faction, it's not a free roam map. You, you'll have open access to segments of the map, but the rest of it will just be kind of like a waypoint oh, see, system. I had the impression yeah. that it was going to be pretty open, actually. So obviously I'm wrong. Okay. It's going to be open to an extent, but right. like I said, just like any other Final Fantasy game, there's areas where you're going to be able to roam around and get into trouble, but a lot of it is just going to be flyover territory, if you will. Open right. by Final Fantasy standards doesn't necessarily mean open. But we didn't just get info about the game because they are going nuts on building up everything surrounding Final Fantasy 15 because that worked so well for 13. Keeping in mind, Final Fantasy 15 was originally supposed to be a spin-off game for 13 that was announced over a decade ago. 
but we have the Brotherhood Final Fantasy 15 anime coming from A1 Pictures, the company that's been responsible for the production of tons of anime work such as Black Butler, Fairy Tale, and even Sword Art Online. And the first episode was actually available to watch right away. It's like 12 minutes long, so it's not like an anime episode. And the the series is following the four of them early on in their adventures and filling in some of the backstory about them. I will say the animation is fantastic. And I'm seeing bits of the story that could be interesting if they're fleshed out more. Like, it's it's not just these four jerks in a car riding across the country and sitting by the campfire. They're actually doing things <laughs> in the anime and filling in, you know, stuff that's happened to their homeland in the past and what's going on now. And ended on a hell of a cliffhanger. So uh, it this served to get me more interested in the game than anything the game has done so far, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, you can't assume that the game was just going to be them driving around looking like no, morons. No, you can't, but freaking. that's all they've shown. Exactly, but, I mean, it's not a Happy Days reject. It's a, you know, it's, you got to assume there's going to be more to it. Was this on uh, Crunchyroll, or where was uh, it's, this? It's everywhere. Like, okay. it, I, they even put it up on their own YouTube channel. Okay. But, yeah, it's Crunchyroll as well. I'll have to check it out. And then, as if that wasn't enough, we're getting a full movie. The Final Fantasy XV Kingsglaive, which is going to be telling the story of a uh, royal guardsman. They're, they're called the Kingsglaive uh, by the name of Nyx as he's staying at home defending the king and Noctis's uh, childhood friend, Luna. And it's going to be telling like the other side of the game, all the stuff that's happening at home while Noctis is away. Which, again, could be cool, but the main thing here is people tend to forget... Square Enix is home to the best CG animation studio around. Like the stuff they've done with uh, Advent Children and some of the other animated shorts they've done, this is astonishingly gorgeous. Well, we've seen that like at various E3s and whatever when they're just showing their proof of concept videos that you're looking at drooling. The They know what they're doing when it comes to, to animation, yes. And they're definitely making a big push to get some spotlight on this because the, the voice cast for this movie includes Sean Bean, Lena Headey, and Aaron Paul. Like, big, big names who, of course, won't be reprising their roles as the exact same characters in the game, but still, <laughs> they, it's... I can't even begin to imagine how much money they have put into this game at this point, including all of the other media associated with it. It'll be interesting to see when it comes up, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it's the the movie is actually uh, you get a Blu-ray for free with the deluxe and collector's editions of the game as well, which we'll get back to in a second. Cool. They also showed off what's you know every Final Fantasy at this point needs its own little mini game to do in your spare time. This one is called Justice Monsters Five, and it's a pachinko game. <laughs> it's also being released as a standalone on Android, iOS, and Windows Ten, and I'm calling it now. This shitty little game is going to be more profitable the than game. the entire rest oh, of the yeah. Final Fantasy yep. 15. Because <laughs> this is the, one of those things that's just people are going to pump dollar after dollar into it, especially uh, out east where these things make ungodly amounts of money. And it's going to be a great way for them to recoup their costs. <laughs> They also released the latest demo, because if you remember, they uh, had the first demo, the Epilo- episode uh, Dusque, 
which you could only play if you bought the Final Fantasy Type-0 HD game, which, uh, as a reminder, was a $60 PSP title that they wanted you to play on your PlayStation and Xbox. So I sure as hell didn't buy it. Uh, But this new Platinum demo is available for everyone to download. It's like a half hour, 45 minutes of game. And this is the worst demo I've ever seen in my life. Really? (laughs) I didn't even check it, so I don't know. I mean, first of all, granted, the game is still in development, but my P that well, not just my PS4, the PS4 in general is struggling to run this game. It's really. Yeah. But it's not a demo for the game, really. It's the entire demo is a dream sequence and you're just Noctis by himself, which, okay, it's, you know, a side bit, but it's not demonstrating what the actual full game is going to be like. It's pretty much the exact opposite of what the entire game is going to be like. And it's him in this dream as a little like nine year old boy being guided through it by uh, the carbuncle, you know, famous Final Fantasy creature. It's almost entirely just a tech demo. Like there's three different areas. Uh, You have an, an outdoor wilderness area, which pretty much near as I could tell serves to show off the day, night and weather cycles that are in the game. There's like an Alice in Wonderland style indoor segment where you're really tiny in this huge world and you can transform into trucks and planes and stuff. And that seems to be like a physics demonstration of, hey, you can bounce this ball. You can knock over these building blocks. And then the third is like this big cityscape, which, again, near as I could tell, just wanted to show off the lighting engine and the reflective surfaces. Don't get me wrong. As a tech demo did its job but as something that's going to make me want to play the game overall i felt it was completely ineffective just because it's not indicative of what we can expect from the final product there's a little bit of combat throughout but again you're a nine-year-old boy so you're using toy toy swords and squeaky hammers squeaky hammers yes it's a big hammer that you swing it and when you hit the enemy it squeaks this is so like they've been the... reading the new Deadpool comics, apparently, and <laughs> decided to bring slapstick wow. into Final Fantasy. Great. Now, at the end of the demo, a giant boss monster is summoned and, you know, Noctis learns that he can control the dreams because it's his dream and he turns into his adult self. And then you do get some of the combat that we can experience in the full game of him with the weapons and the dashing and all the skills. And that little bit, I will say, was pretty entertaining, but it was a very, very, very minute part of the overall demo. And again, the entire game is built around having a party around you. So a one-on-one fight isn't, again, it's not a proper experience. The combat system itself, it's, it's Kingdom Hearts meets Dark Souls. Because it's very interactive. You're constantly switching between weapons and spells. And there's a lot of like combo opportunity. But there's also, you know, timing and dodging big telegraphed attacks. But it was it was fun. And again, it didn't make me go, okay, now I have to play the game. But it's another small point in its favor of it could be fun. Wasn't this the demo where somebody actually figured out how to get outside the bounds of the demo realm and found out that, like, most of the world is there in an incomplete format? No, that was the the original demo, the episode Juske. Because they've actually updated that original demo with new content over time, but I don't know anybody who bought Type-0, so I couldn't tell you. I didn't even buy it when it was on sale. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then finally, of course, because this is a game launching in 2016, we have special editions. Uh, the first is the deluxe edition, which is just, you know, the game, the Kingsglaive movie, and the reason I'm going to end up buying this stupid fucking thing. A nice steelbook packaging with uh, brand new artwork from Yoshitaka Amano. It's gorgeous, and I can't help myself, I don't think. But then, of course, you have the giant limited edition, uh, I think it was 30,000 being made, collector's edition with the statues and all kinds of the crazy stuff. Roger, uh, you'll be happy to know, Sushi actually got one. (laughs) So expect to see swooning pictures of her with her Noctis statue pretty soon. All right. I didn't see the statue. I'm guessing multicolored jacked up hair. No, no. he He's, well, it's jacked up, but it's black. Okay. Final Fantasy isn't known for its crazy color palette. At least not modern day Final Fantasy. So yeah, that's what we've come to expect from 15. I'm, I'm a little more interested now than I was before. If it wasn't for that freaking steel book, I'd probably say I'll pass and pick it up on sale. But uh, In all we'll honesty, see what I'm sort surprised. Of, I'm surprised that even just the steelbook is enough for you to, to want to buy it. Just because I know it's going to be limited and I'm never going to see it again if I don't get it. Who cares? It's a steelbook. And it'll look nice on the shelf. <laughs> well, all right then. <laughs> I, you would not believe how much of a sucker I am for steelbook packaging. I have bought things. I've bought movies I still haven't watched because they were in a nice steelbook. <laughs> I've got some steelbooks, but it was only one of those where I planned on buying it anyway. So it was like, ah, eh, whatever. So I'll pick it up. Sure, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. But certainly to not to go out to get it. Right? Yeah. Whatever. Say, so I'm still not completely sold. I, I still need to see more of what the finished product is going to be like. And I know they're, they're going to keep tight-lipped on the story because the game is mostly about the story. It, it's getting there for me, but they still got five months to completely sell me on this game. Mm. Yeah, and I'm not seeing anything like this is one of those games where I've just kind of mostly written it off as kind of a I'm not going to play it. And it's one of those things where I'm going to need a smoking gun, like something that's so absolutely amazing that pulls me in. And I just I still haven't seen anything yet. Like some of the stuff is cool, but there are other games out there that do it better or, you know not as weird as Final Fantasy tends to do. Yeah, and that's going to be the big determining factor. What else is going to be out around September 30th that I'm going to be interested in playing? I mean, we can say Dishonored 2 is going to be out there. Uh, no Man's Sky will have been out for a while at that point, so I don't know. Off the top of my head, I can't think of too much competition it's going to have for my playing time, so it might get a win by default. Hmm. I'll still be playing No Man's Sky. Oh, well, we'll be playing that game forever. Oh, Although, yeah. you know what? I was I was joking around. I don't know if I was talking to you, Joe, about it, or I know I mentioned it on Twitter. I still haven't pre-ordered it because I was going to pre-order <laughs> the Steam version because it's like 15 bucks cheaper. But then I realized there's no way in hell this is not going to come out for PSVR. And now that I've pre-ordered my PSVR, what concerns me is, are they going to let you play that version, the one that's going to be coming out in June, on the VR? Or are you going to have to buy a different version that'll be for the PSVR? Because that would really piss me off if I buy that game full price in June, and then come October, i got to buy another version of it to be able to play it on the, the VR. You see what I mean? I can yeah. confidently say no matter what decision you make, it's going to be the wrong one. Yeah. I might wind up <laughs> having to just 
freaking wait. And I don't want to. I want to play that shit day one. <laughs> like, Someone else might get to the center of the universe before you. I'm not even concerned about that shit. <laughs> I just, I need to play this game. Seriously. I might wind up just buying two copies eventually. Just buy the one for PC and then wait until the VR is out and wait to see if they actually put out a a different version for the Sony. Because think yeah, about then, that if game. If there's not a different version, you might be able to get a good sale on the PlayStation version. Yeah, that's unlikely, but. Yeah, regardless. It's a possibility. I mean, if, in all honesty, if it's not in VR anyways, then I'm fine just playing it on the PC regardless. That'll be fine. But uh, but if it is in VR, oh, I'm playing that shit on VR. <laughs> I am playing the shit. <laughs> My wife will be watching her freaking <laughs> shows on TV and I'll just be looking all over the place. <laughs> and every once in a while she'll look at me and roll her eyes. But I won't see so it won't are, are you kidding? That will be her favorite purchase you have ever made. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, he's busy. <laughs> Shutting up and not talking to me. <laughs> also, to answer your question, what, what's going to be releasing around Final Fantasy? Like, there's a lot of stuff within, a f- like, three, four weeks of its projected release date. Like, Deus Ex Mankind Divided is at the end of August right there. that game existed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people did. Uh, but there's that. There's Gears of War 4 comes out Meh. right after that. But I know a lot of people are really jazzed about that. Um, and there's a new Gravity Rush, which some people are really, really yes. excited about. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> uh, there, I mean, Persona 5 uh, <laughs> is another one that's I, supposed it, to be coming out there. It, no. <laughs> it's not coming out in America until next year. A new expansion for The Witcher 3, The Legend of Zelda Wii U is supposed to come out. They're projecting around that time, too. Last Guardian's projected to come out around that time. I, There's I call bullshit lot. on both of those. <laughs> <laughs> I said projected. At least projected. half of what you said doesn't exist. <laughs> I said projected. Now, if any of those come out, those are all, are all contenders for mm-hmm. a lot of time, especially Deus Ex. Dishonored 2 is also another one that was on the running as far I, as... I did mention that one. Yeah. So it's like those alone, those are games like Dishonored 1 I spent hundreds of oh, hours on. Yeah. And like I, Deus Ex, same damn thing. Like those are games that you know their stories are fucking baller and more accessible as far as i'm concerned so i mean if those come out at the same time eh, yeah i'll take those over final fantasy uh, dishonored to just i get excited about a lot of different games we all do <laughs> but there's there's a, a different level for that fever pitch of i cannot wait to be in that world again and that's dishonored like for for upcoming releases there are a few releases coming out that oh, I can yeah. think of and froth at the mouth thinking I fucking cannot wait to play that game. And that's one of them. There, there's been very few games that I've played in recent years. And maybe it's just because I'm getting older and more salty about games. Uh, but there have been very few games that I finished them and I, I sit there and I'm like, but I want more. Yeah. And Dishonored, they did such a wonderful job with just building that world and building the characters even. Even the throwaway NPCs were well done. Yeah. It's like, I just, I need more of this world. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the second episode of The Walking Dead Michonne. Now, we talked about this. I had done the feature and then Joe was talking about it. Just, like, actually, did we talk about it the first episode, you and I? Or I know we talked about it offline, we talked about it offline. I was actually out that episode. Yeah. So anyways, because you essentially echoed most of what I had said as well, that there's a lot of issues 
with this so far. And voice acting notwithstanding, sissy, don't be mad at us. <laughs> You're <laughs> awesome. Know, the, the voice actors are fantastic. The voice acting is on point. But having issues with the first one, and then I'll go into the second one, and the second one did not change my opinion. I don't know if you thought... I mean, there there was more to it, certainly, than the first one I thought. But it's still, I finished it and thought, eh. Like, they've announced the third one, and they're either going to or they have when the third one's coming out. And I really, it's kind of like, eh, whatever. I'll, the only, I'll, at this point, the only reason I'm even going to bother playing the third one is because I've already spent the money. Yeah. But well, like, it's, I, I do want to see what's going to happen. It's just, I'm not invested at all. Like, again, there's... There's too many things that are going on that are, again, cliched things that we've seen so many times. Oh, yeah. Tropey was definitely a word I was going to throw out there. So, like in this one here, now you have to escape. So you're escaping with Sam, with Pete as well, unless you let him go and try to be the peacekeeper and make it easier for the others to get away. Pete was getting on my nerves. I actually, I watched a playthrough <laughs> where they let him go and give himself up because you rescue him initially. And then the way I played it though, is I told him, you shut the hell up, get back over here. You're coming with me, buddy. And he nope, was, I, to- I, he I was totally pulled a Vince. Oh, man. <laughs> I let him go. I yes. wish I would have. He was yes. annoying the shit out of me. And I told him, you know what? You know what? You want to, you want to go with the murder? Dad? You want to go? The go. Fuck you. Leave. I kind of wish I did. Your hate. Cause he was annoying as hell at various points throughout, and it's like, will you stop fucking whining? Good Lord. You want to kick him into a pack of zombies at one point. So, and Sam is really, again, stereotypical character. Just, I I really did not have much use for her character either. So you wind up following her because once you escape the floating community, then you're trying to get away, and you're going cross the river and then you're going to uh towards where her her family has a home and so she's leading you off there's there's a typical kind of michonne moment on the beach too where you take the arms and the jaws off of a couple of zombies and walk them i find that with this one more so than say uh, the second season they're trying to be too clever with mechanics and I think it's because, again, they've had so many games using the same mechanics all along, and now they're trying to be a little bit more clever in how they're doing certain things to kind of jazz things up. But a lot of times it just winds up being annoying, I find. Like the walking with the zombies, I thought, was annoying. And it's really not like you're on the edge of your seat at all. You just forward, forward, stop, forward, forward, stop, side, side. For it, and it's like eh, whatever you're done. Same thing with the constant looking up to spy thing, and then back down again, back up to spy a little yeah. bit. And it's like there was too much of that shit too, and it's like oh for fuck's sake, like just give me the stuff that has proven to work in prior seasons, and that's the exploration and the the talking to people kind of thing. So it, it felt like there was just a lot of filler, right? Like. That's what gets me about it is uh, tro- like trophy is a word that I'm going to throw out there just because like, there's a lot of cliches. A lot of, it applies, uh, but boring too. Oh, like yeah. there was, there was nothing really truly engaging, and it sort of. I think my big problem with this, and I said, and, and Roger, you and I talked about this uh, the first time. 
it doesn't feel like a Telltale game to me. Like if if it didn't have their branding on it at the beginning, aside from the choice of music and the choice of very good voice actors, the writing is relatively clunky. The 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 actual adventure part of it is pretty clunky. And and I don't understand if it's just because they're trying to do something that fits inside of a tight bookend and they have to go from point A to point B. I don't understand if they were handed like, you know, here's your guidelines, hit these beats and these beats only. Like it just it feels like something's off in this formula. And it just I've not had this problem with any other Telltale game. What? So much so that I even picked a Telltale game as my game of the like game of the year last year. Really? I think that and and I haven't actually looked to see what other writing credits the writer for this has um, if they worked on the other Telltale uh, Walking Dead game specifically or if they're new to that and they just look at what was done previously and and are basically trying to do a lot more. I'm going to do that before the third one comes out because undoubtedly I'll have to talk about that when it comes out but it's again the, the thing that I found with the writing was that it felt very much, and again, I could be wrong, I'm just saying how it felt, felt very much like a new writer being brought in who just looked at what they'd already done and tried to work their story around that same frame. And But it's just nowhere near as interesting. Even the stuff that we're getting here in the second episode where they made a big deal about Michonne and what happened to her kids... And you're getting a lot more in terms of the flashbacks now where she's in the apartment and she's looking around to see what happened. And there's various clues until the, you know, the phone rings and you decide if you're going to the phone or if you're going to the door. That entire scene, which should be pretty tense, was boring as hell. And you're like, oh, my God. God, can I just be done? Because it feels like you're alone on a Saturday night kind of thing, rummaging around your apartment because nobody called you to go out. It was boring, boring, and nothing going on. And even the clues that you find are like, again, mundane. Really? So, and then eventually, again, you get a little bit more excitement at the end when you're either taking the call or going to talk to the woman in the hallway. But even that's just a, you know, try to get as much information as you can to piece together what happened. But, meh, whatever. I mean, there was a little bit of excitement when you're saving Sam, and then they had to try to be a little bit more gruesome about it when you're cauterizing the wound and removing the bullet and stuff, and it's it's pretty graphic in terms of, you know, like opening up the wound even further and all this stuff, too. But just because you're making something more graphic does not mean that it's going to be more visceral and exciting. And that entire scene, which, I mean, leading up to that is, again, what I felt, and obviously you did too, the boring trudging through the woods, even the climbing that rusted old, it looked like a tower for like electricity wires or whatever. Who the hell knows? Oh, it was an old radio tower, yeah. Yeah, so even that was like, well, even though you fall a couple times or whatever, it, it was, that was so telegraphed, too. It was. Like, it was very, very much like, you know what you got to do, just do that and get off. So all of that leading up to that, their house and then dealing with the, the few people that you come across there, and even her family, like the kids, the boys, the, the brothers, which should have been far more 
again, you could see where the writer tried to make it so that it was pulling on your heartstrings. But the manner in which it was written and the dialogue that the kids are given is so canned that you're like, oh, just just go get me some hot water. Go get the hell away from me kind of thing. I, I don't have time for you. And the, the, the crocodile tears when they find out that the brother's dad mm-hmm. is like, oh, come on. <laughs> it's like, we want to make you feel about this character that only had five lines of dialogue. No, that's not, not how you happen. do it. Yeah. And the same thing with the father as well. Oh, God, that pissed me off so much. That conversation that you have with him in the backyard should have been a lot more powerful than it was. It should have had more weight to it. But I, I don't know. Like, it was just written in such a way that there was no oomph to it. There was nothing behind it. It was just like, oh, yeah, things were tough and everybody was really sad. And then we had to do the unspeakable. But let's not talk about that. Let's move. It's like, no, this should be a moment. This should be a character defining moment. And there was just there was no meat there. There was but nothing. Look at the character. Look at the father character. Yeah. It's really, again, a ridiculous character. Like, it's just so unbelievably bland. And it's, again, the father who lost his wife and is raising his kids without his wife in a zombie post-apocalyptic wasteland. Which, I mean, okay, when you say it like that, it might, and it <laughs> might is, sound and interesting. But it's just a, out that is he lost a son, too. Yeah, yeah, and that barely phased him. So, like, everything with him from the beginning when he's helping to hold his daughter down to up until he gets shot is like, well, I can see why you got rid of this character pretty fast. (laughs) There's really not much point hanging on to him. So, I think, think, you know what, now that you're saying that and I'm thinking about it, I think that's what bothers me the most is that the vast majority of these characters all feel throwaway, right? Like, there's no gravity to them. Like when we had the original Walking Dead, when we all played through it, we all had similar attachments, whether they were, you know, I'm going to murder everybody or whether they were, I really feel for Clementine. Like we had, we all had these attachments and those characters, when they died, it felt horrible because there was a sense of permanency about them. They're like, they were supposed to be permanent here. Every character you come across, every single one of them, with the exception of Michonne, feels like a throwaway. It feels like nothing more than just somebody who doesn't matter. This is just like another fever dream of Michonne somewhere down the line. At least to me, that's what I get out of it. Well, it kind of is because this is a story that's just that slice of time when she left the main crew there during those those issues in the comic book where they're trying to tell you what happened. So it's all about her and everybody else that's around is just cast. It's just an extras casting and that's, that's it. So it's not like we can expect to see these in, say, season three. Maybe we will. But I, it's highly unlikely, I would think. And then you get to the end. And this is where they did try harder to make it far more visceral and something that is more, will get to you more. But we get to, once again, a game that trivializes torture. And, and it is trivialized, like big time trivialized. But the way that they get around that is because... Randall's a really, really bad guy. So cranking the vice on his hands and breaking him, it doesn't feel so bad. So to me, that's, again, that's that's piss-poor writing because 
you're taking a horrible concept, torture, and then making it into something that's acceptable. Well, the only way you can do that is by then making the person who is being tortured a despicable human being throughout, not just before he's mm-hmm. in that vice, but even while he's in the vice, he is practically begging you to kill him. Like when it gets to the point where you have the choice if you want to kill him or not, again, I, I every walkthrough I watched, plus my game, uh, you, you just kill him because it's like, it makes no sense not to because it's it's he's such a horrific human being. So it's like, to me, that is, again, piss poor writing. You you took the easy out there, and I, I can't respect that. Well, and, you know, and this, this is coming off the, the, the back end of a game where the same company did such a great job making you give a shit about Handsome Jack. Yeah. And, like, that, they gave him such human elements they gave him such dialogue that made you actually think, wait a minute, what's going on here? Is he existing in this gray area? It's, it's just, it, this was so black and white. And, and it was telegraphed too from the very first episode. Like you knew at some point in time you were going to do something to this bastard because he was just such an awful person. And that tends to be what happens in these games is if somebody is absolutely that awful. They're going to pay for their transgressions. But you're and you're absolutely right. I'm kind of tired of it just from a gaming standpoint. Stop trivializing torture. It should never be that easy. Yeah. Ever. And then the obvious trope as well of the brother and sister. It could have been a husband and wife, whatever. But the siblings where you do something to me and my siblings are going to come after you and never stop kind of thing. And it's like, I, I don't know if you talk to Norma on the phone or on the, the walkie, I, I did as well too. And it, it very much is that kind of, you hurt him and I'm going to come after you until the end of time and whatever. And it's like, oh my God. Again, how many times have we seen this tired fucking trope as well? So again, episode two, I did nothing to change my mind about this, the Michonne series at all, at all, at all. And if anything it actually has me questioning whether or not I even want to play season three now, because it does make me wonder if, in fact, Telltale has reached that point with this IP mm. that they really can't do much more original with it or anything that really is really worth playing, let's just say. Because, again, season one, absolutely spectacular. Season two was good. And there were elements that I really enjoyed, but there were also a lot of elements that were like, oh, God, we've seen this way too many times now. And, and some elements I did not find nearly as well written. And then you have this and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, so if this is going to be the progression or lack thereof in terms of quality, I'm I'm even as it stands now, not looking forward to season three. It would this- take a lot of insane trailers that were incredible that really led me to believe that something spectacular is going to happen for me to be excited to, to play it. Well, two things. One, uh, they literally just announced when episode three of Michonne is going to come out. Apparently yeah. it's coming out on the 26th. Um, so they have literally six days from the time of this recording uh, before I play this and 
make my final like decision. And this is going to be a horrible thing that I'm going to drag myself through that playthrough. I want you all to understand that. <laughs> but two, this makes me worried for other major IPs in the future too, because if they start getting handed larger titles that give them sort of these constraints to work around, like I feel Telltale does the best when they're given free reign. And if you can't give them free reign, like you already give them established characters, what happens? Like even in, you know, when we're talking about Tales from the Borderlands, the main characters were not main characters from the other games. They were new characters where the story revolved around where other established characters played into the storyline. But that was it. Here you're taking an already established character in the case of Michonne and you're forcing a whole new story around her, and it feels really awkward. That ultimately makes me worried for stuff like Batman, I, where he's a where he's a very established character, and if he has a very set path of of story, right? How do you work around that now? So if if you're given that, like that makes me. I'm not saying that I won't play it, but it makes me worried. It just it's a concern I now have. Yeah, but I would agree with you if it weren't for the comic series that turned to shit after issue 100 for the TV series that while never spectacular, a lot of the first season was still pretty good, but it went downhill real fast. I think that it's the IP. I think that the IP has this initial appeal that you can play with and have something really good come out of it. But then it really hits that brick wall fast and then there's not that much that you can do with it. So I still have faith with them with other IPs. I, I, I really feel it's it's The Walking Dead. Uh, let's move on from there. Let's talk about some Legion. Because you've been playing the crap out of it. I have. I have. And, and first things first, the, the big news I'll get out of the way. Uh, we do finally have a date for it, which uh, Roger has uh, pointed out is the last possible day that they could really say that they're, you know, that it's not release. September. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> August. it's it's August 30th. Uh, the game will actually be released. Now, here's the interesting thing. Talk about, there's 31 days in August. They had plenty of room. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who's listened to me talk about their past expansions know that I care about story. I care about, you know, plots. I care about questing. I care about NPCs and I care about feeling like I'm part of this world. Warlords of Draenor was a horrible expansion, not from a mechanic standpoint, but because it was just very disjointed, at least to me. And everybody's mileage is going to vary. And I've made no, you know, I've not tried to sugarcoat it at all anytime I've talked about it. Here, however, there's a lot larger emphasis on NPCs, stories, the weight of the quests, a cohesive story as well as your involvement in how that story unfolds. And I have been finding that the questing is engaging. The NPCs are great. Uh, there are appropriate callbacks, not like they're resting on the sense of nostalgia, but some of the lesser known NPCs that had really cool quest moments or existed in the comics or even existed in the cards, which I thought was kind of cool in the old card game uh, are being brought to life. And I'm playing as a shaman. So I'm going through the shaman class, all stuff and there's shaman heroes from the WoW TCG in my guild hall or my uh, my class hall where I'm, you know, working with them to restore balance to the world and trying to get the earth and ring up. And I'm trying to do all sorts of cool and heavy things. 
and they fixed something that I had a very big problem with in Draenor, which was I hated garrisons. Garrisons took you out of the world. You didn't go and do anything. You played with Farmville through a council within a council within a council and sent other minions to go do stuff for you. Here, when you're sending minions out there, you're sending a lieutenant, somebody you trust, which is a named NPC, and like in the case of the shaman you're sending like elementals that you summoned to go do scouting for you to open up more quests to bring you into the world and i thought that was really really cool the zones all have individually contained stories where as soon as you touch down that's your breadcrumb and it starts this whole path that that culminates in a big moment in each zone whether it's the felling of a a large boss style npc or, you know, pushing you towards the Tomb of Sargeras, whatever the case is. But every single one of them also ties together and plays off of each other because as a character, you're searching for the pillars of creation. And so everything plays off each other really, really well. Uh, I've been very impressed with it. I will say that even in an alpha state, the story feels a million times more polished than anything that I saw in Warlords of Draenor. And that's a big statement from me. Like, this is this is good writing. It's good characterization. I'm really, really happy with it. Uh, mechanically, they're streamlining a bunch of stuff. Not so much that it's completely dumbed down, but not so much where you're completely overwhelmed. They're finding a really nice middle ground. And one cool thing I wrote about this recently, one of my big gripes with most games is that if you want to play as a healer, if you want to go quest, it's a pain in the goddamn dick. Jesus. Yeah, it's it's horrible. You can't kill anything on your own. You have to rely on other players. They fixed it. As a healer in healing spec, I am able to quest just as almost just as quickly as if I was in DPS spec. I have slightly less buttons, but I do comparable damage when I'm questing to quest mobs. The only time I've noticed a slowdown is when I'm going against like a quest boss. Uh, where it's like the end of a chain or a sub chain or something along those lines. But those are shared tags where players from any faction can help you. You don't have to be quested or grouped together and everybody can basically fight. Well, they pulled off the Guild thing. Wars too. They did. Nice. It, it's executed very, very well. And that's the other thing I'm going to give them a lot of credit for too. They introduced a new system where um, phasing was kind of a big thing when it was introduced a while. Phasing exists in every single one of these zones now at a global scale. The zone levels with you. There is no linear progression anymore as far as what zones you go to. You choose. So at level 100, I went to Azuna. I could do that. Everything was a level 100. As I hit level 101, everything went to level 101. As I hit level 102, everything went to level 102. I, I think we got it, Joe. <laughs> yeah. But it was but it was nice wait, to wait, wait. see. What happened when you got what? to 103? Everything went to 107. <laughs> No, but it was see it was just, plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know that it was whatever. But it was exciting for me as a player who's so used to going, you're going to go to this zone, then you're going to go to this zone, then you're going to go to this zone, to just be able to go wherever the hell I want, and everything just matches me. And then players of your same level exist in that same instance, so you can all interact with each other. And then when you're in hub zones, the instances fall away, so you can interact with players of any level. It's really well done, and it's very, very smooth. Even in an alpha level, I am 100% impressed and sold on this expansion so far. Okay, like, hold on. Backtrack now to sure. where you were saying that as a healer, you have 
just as much DPS as DPS while you're questing? Is it only while you're questing or do you have special abilities that come up when you're questing or how explain this more? So the the base spells, uh, and I'll use Shaman as an example, the, the three base spells you're going to have are Flame Shock, Lightning Bolt, and Lava Burst. Those are the three main spells. Those do the same base damage and have the same spell coefficient, whether you're an elemental spec or restoration spec. Now, the way that they do the differentiation between the two is when you're an elemental spec, you have multipliers that get put on top of it. So you get uh, different damage buffs or different things that trigger that allow you to do more, whether it's through your artifact or talents. So that's how they, they separate it. But they did it so that your the mobs in the world are tuned to that base damage. They're not tuned to, oh, you have access to every single talent under the sun that increases your damage. No, here are your base three spells. This is what you're going to have. Case in point, my Lava Burst on my um, show, uh, my Shaman's 105 right now is doing about 110k per shot. When I'm in Elemental Spec, it's doing about 110k per shot until anything else triggers. So it feels really smooth, hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. And every healing class has that. And that's really cool. Is it only while you are PvPing, or if you are in a PvE dungeon, say, and it's light healing, can you be doing still yep. a substantial amount of DPS? The same amount of damage. It does not tone itself down inside of dungeons. As a matter of fact, one of the fights that I was facing, which pissed me off to no end, good job because it was actually a really well-designed encounter that made me think and do stuff, uh, there's a Hydra-style boss where... It's an entire open world zone and it's a big it's a big arena where you're fighting this boss. And this is a five man dungeon, mind you. This is a leveling dungeon and you have to do damage like there's healing moments. Sure. But you have to deal damage because otherwise, if you're doing this as a leveling, not as a max group, there's no way in hell your group has enough DPS without you contributing to get through this fight. And I thought that was really kind of cool because one of the things that I always loved uh, was pushing sort of that hybrid feeling without really pushing a hybrid tax. So I can actually weave DPS spells into my healing when healing's light and not sit there with my thumb in my ass trying not to waste mana. And there is a mana reduction for the D for DPS spells when you're a healer. So you're not chewing through your healing mana. You're just contributing nice. DPS. Very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, big thumbs up from me. And this is the first time that they've gotten it right in 11 years. So, you know what? Good fucking job. Okay, now let's go back to the class halls. Because I've ranted about garrisons forever. <laughs> and I'm having to do them again because I'm, I'm back into WoW again. I have sure. been for a few weeks now. I decided, oh, what the fuck? I was talking to you about it too on AIM. Where it's like, oh, money's not actually gaining interest anyway. So, what the hell? I'll spend it on a token and... And just play. So now, of course, I've been doing the garrison bullshit just so that I can have money because I'm not yeah. forking over real money for it. And again, it's the same thing where I'm not I'm not I'm doing even less for garrisons now than before, because garrisons were one of the reasons I stopped playing because yeah. I was spending all my fucking time on followers and then on the buildings to enhance them, spending all my goddamn money. And then you're when you get into all the crafting, or not not even necessarily the crafting, but the gathering that's there as well, fuck, just on a couple of tunes, you've wasted hours. It's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. 
how similar to that are the class halls? How integrated are class halls into progression? And and how much of a, a time sink are they? Almost nothing of a time sink unless you want it to be. They're more of a social hub than anything else because it's not an individual player hall. It's a class hall, which means players of your class are also going to exist in there with you. Right. So as a shaman, I'm running around with people that I've been talking with on Twitter or, or other things, and we're interacting. We're, we're swapping stories, and we're talking about you know what our experiences are, and it feels a lot more organic. I'm not cut off from the world, so to speak. Uh, as far as the missions go, you're not doing a whole lot of them. You're doing one every, you know, I don't know, 20 hours of gameplay maybe. So you're not spending a whole lot of time in the in the actual class hall itself. It's mainly a vehicle to get you onto the world. Uh, it's also a way for you to have stuff to do that revolves around your legendary weapon a little bit because that's where you're going to get sort of your daily hub store when you're at max level. Uh, and, and I'll talk up a little bit about that because it's they just opened up a level 110 in the alpha and I'm barely getting there. But it's kind of a, when you get there, it's kind of cool. So you do a mission and it either opens up an area for you or sends you to that area or opens up a whole quest chain for you. And that's really about it. You do one mission, opens up an entire thing and you can go out into the world and do what you got to do. Um, but again, it's part of that major story. And are you going to play your shaman? Because I don't want to ruin this because it's kind of a big spoiler because it's really really cool i most definitely will but go ahead and spoil it anyways odds are i'll forget by then (laughs) (laughs) the odds are pretty good let's just say so in in cataclysm you did a five-man dungeon where you freed one of the elemental lords that was under the attack of ashara and you never knew what the hell happened to him you find out what happens to him if you're a shaman because not only do you summon him you befriend him in a way that you're basically like, look, the Legion doesn't like you and the old gods want to eat your souls. We are the only thing keeping you tied to the material plane. You need to fucking help us. You as a shaman are recruiting the four elemental lords to fight against the void. And it's fucking awesome. It's really well done. And it's not just like, oh, everybody's friendly and it's, there's actual tension written into it. And like the NPCs that you have at your disposal are like, look, we don't like you. You don't like us, but we hate them more. Let's figure this out for now and kind of move on with our lives. And it's kind of this cool moment. Cause when I first saw it, it's the first time in years that I've had a moment where I've actually like said, Holy fuck. That was cool. The entire sequence was really well done. Now that's important because For you, that's how your class, at least as a shaman, is learning about the pillars of creation because these entities were here when Azeroth was born and they're giving you information in exchange for you going and dealing with some things that they can't deal with. In the case of, you know, our little watery overlord, he can't deal with Eshzara. She's got favor from an old god and she's powerful enough that, you know, she's was going to be Sargeras's wife. Okay, she's fucking powerful. He can't really deal with her. So he's like, you know what? You're you're minuscule. You're nothing. You'll probably escape under her radar. You go deal with these key points and maybe I'll help you. And it feels good because it's not you doing like I'm clicking a button in a garrison. It's like, you know, I'm going to this place on the map and I'm going to kick some ass and I'm actually doing something. And the entire time there's 
a progression of story. And it's not just like blind quests. Each hub is a story. There's an NPC you're interacting with. There's there's things that you're doing that actually involve the greater story of the entire expansion. That's fucking cool. Now, when you get to max level, the class hall, the order hall is going to be a place where, yes, you can log out there, um, but it's going to be vehicles. Instead of having daily quests, you're going to have new quests that are introduced to you that allow you to do stuff with your artifact weapon, which I thought was going to be kind of a hokey thing, but the artifact weapons actually turned out to be kind of cool. Uh, and it's you're trying to either gain power for the artifact weapon by doing a set of story quests or you're, it's, you're doing something that directly relates to you know, the Legion and they're coming in the battle that's actually raging on the Broken Isles itself. Or you're trying to unlock some form of mystery. And it's really well done and it feels a little more organic because it's not always going to be the same thing. You have some choice. It's not just go to Ice Crown and do the Argent Tournament for 8,000 characters. Every character, if you have alts, can do something different. Uh, it's also a nice way for you to catch up if you want to play multiple specs because uh, what they did with the artifact weapons is if you're a healer, you even if you have the other artifact weapons, you cannot equip them. They do not work for you. You have to be in that spec. They're in your bags. They're there, but you can't use them. So you can't be a resto shaman using the elemental weapon to go DPS. You have to use the resto weapon in resto and so on and so forth, which makes sense because each of their little talents are tuned specifically to that that spec, but it's an easy way for you to catch up by, you know, leveling up your artifact or unlocking certain things or getting runes for it easily without having to do daily quests on a grind. And I think that's, I think that's kind of cool because it's a nifty little, a nifty little nugget to kind of get you to go explore the world more because they're going to unlock more quests, more areas and, and more things as the expansion goes on. They've already said that. Artifact weapons for me are going to be something that I'm not going to flat out say, I'm going to hate because who the hell knows, but I'm not excited and I've got some pretty serious concerns about. So it's going to be one of those where in once I'm playing it and I can see how mm-hmm. it works, then maybe I will enjoy it more. But it's, again, I, I'm i not crazy about the idea, the concepts behind it and different things. You know, and it's one of those things where I'm not going to try to sell you on it because I feel it is something you should experience because... Yeah. I was very skeptical about them, but after playing with them, I'm I'm okay with them. I actually do like them. Okay. All right. Anything else? Honestly, this is the first time in a very long time that they've impressed me. I've everything I've seen so far is just it's two two Joe thumbs up. Let's be honest here now though. And I don't say this in a negative way. <laughs> you're gonna call me a fanboy. I and, know. Go and, ahead. and Vince can back me up on this, but your initial impressions on various expansions is always very positive at the beginning. Sure. And then months down the line, reality sets in sometimes quite a few months down the line. So yeah, I, say, I, even, would, say, I would agree with you. The only exception to that, I think has been warlords. I was excited at the announce. I was excited up until release. And then when I got into beta, it was kind of, uh, no, you were still pretty excited for warlords initially when you were playing it. Initially. Like, I, I don't feel I was as excited as others. That's I what I was you, I will give you all the others. Okay, that's what I mean, too. Like, in comparison, in comparison, oh, my God, in comparing your level of excitement for the other expansions initially, not comparing yeah, War- no, I get Warlords you. of Draenor now to what you think of this, 
where are you putting this kind of? And I know they haven't yet introduced everything. Demon Hunters aren't even in yet, are they? Yeah, they are. Oh, well, they I'm are. My, I've been playing the hell out of my Demon Hunter. Oh, I didn't even think that they were in yet. Oh, yeah. And they are They're. It's like the best parts of Wildstar and Guild Wars 2 merged with WoW is probably the best way I can explain Demon Hunters. Really? No. Double jumping. Movement on well, them yeah. feels really, really good. Yeah. Tanking feels really, really good. Damage feels really, really good. Everything about the class just it, it feels nice to play. It feels like a hero class, not in the same way that uh, like Death Knights felt. Death Knights were just unstoppable juggernauts and it felt cool in a different way. Like you felt powerful, yeah. but it was very slow here. It's all about agility and speed. And there's a whole it's it's really, really nifty. Oh, and, and one thing I will I will throw out there that I thought was kind of cool is there's a lot of battle sequences with NPCs where they're either fighting with you or fighting against you. And I thought this was kind of clever and cheesy all at the same time. Uh, a bunch of the NPCs have the same movesets that you would find in their heroes, the storm incarnations. <laughs> so as you're like fighting alongside them, they'll randomly go into their routines uh, or they'll pull out abilities that exist in heroes of the storm, but never anywhere else. But it's kind of a nice little touch. So I, do you start at one or at a higher level with the uh, Demon Hunters? 90, you start at 98, okay. and by the time you're done with the starting zone, you're 100, and you go right into the world. So in terms of that starting area, I'm thinking it's probably very much like the DK starting kind of thing, where it's very secluded. It's an entirely, it's a, it's a different planet, yeah. Right. So how did you find that? And again, using the obvious comparison to the DKs, because that DK starting area is still a spectacular storyline oh, yeah. that happens there. That's a ton of fun to play through. Where are you placing this in comparison? Much higher. Really? It's it's on the same level as the Pandera starting area as far as like size wise. It's pretty damn big. It might actually be bigger than that. Uh, Story wise, it's phenomenal. Like I just got done reading the uh, the Illidan book uh, as well. And uh, it's phenomenal. And it ties in with this, too. And between the book and the Demon Hunter starting area, every question that's been left unanswered since Burning Crusade is actually answered and addressed in that starting zone. And it's really well done. Um, there's a lot of voice acting, too, which is new uh, with the quests and especially the starting zone. Like with Death Knights, you had the voice of the Lich King, and that was kind of always present there. Here, almost every major nice. npc has voice acting with it nice and it's it's really well done the presence of illidan is really well done uh the presence of the generals are really well done and it ties everything together it's it's probably the best starting zone experience i've seen in this game hmm. okay and as far as like my gauging my excitement the only time I've been more excited for an expansion is Burning Crusade, and that was when it was the th only expansion. Like, this is probably the most jazz I've been comparing all the other ones. Like, I thought I sat and thought about it for a little bit there. This is it. This is, this is, I've very, very hyped for this, and probably more so than I have for anything other than Burning Crusade. Now, the way that you were talking about the Shaman, and also this now with the Demon Hunter, there's a lot of class-specific questing. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going to assume, though, that, again, when you're going into a zone, it's the same typical zone questing that everybody shares the same nope. quests. Nope. There's uh, individual quests that will pop up only for certain classes, um, and interactions with NPCs are actually different. So I did the, I did the oh. same zone on my hunter that I did on my shaman and got some very different results. 
Okay. Because like that's they, one they, of the things with warlords that was a pain in the ass. Once you did it once, and basically damn near once you did it once, regardless of faction even, there wasn't much point doing it again. So this is going to be different enough on all of your alts then. I hope reason. they keep I, if they keep it. Yeah, like it, there's there's definitely different quests that like different zones that'll pop up too, and they're tied with your what at least what I there's been no confirmation on this, and this is me taking a guess. Um, they're tied to your order hall. Uh, so when I was in Stormheim as a hunter, there were certain camps that seemed to pop up for me because the hunter class hall is located in Stormheim or High Mountain, High Mountain. High Mountain, but they have like lodges throughout the world and in Stormheim specifically. And it was kind of cool because those when I went back, like for me, they were goblins on my hunter. When I went back as my shaman, they were torn and they were different, different, like a different quest gets different dialogue. It was it was really cool. Like It was it was very interesting. And I hope they keep that because that's really nifty. OK. OK. Any parting thoughts? Honestly, if you, this is. I think this is going to be the expansion that people have been waiting for to rekindle their love of the game. I, I'm i not saying that in, like, I think everybody should go out and buy it. But if you miss how Warcraft used to be and you miss that sort of wonder of exploration and still the ties to the old game that sort of vanilla had when coming off of Warcraft 3, this is definitely what you've been looking for. Okay. Well, actually, that's good to hear. Sticking with Blizzard, they had their... Um yet another Overwatch beta on the weekend. And this was just a stress test for uh, Friday and Saturday. And I had played through a beta previously. Both my son and I had played, and Joe, I know you did as well. Vince, have you done any of the beta for Overwatch yet? Nah. Okay. So when I did the other one, I talked a lot both with Joe, obviously, and a lot on Twitter with a variety of people. you got to be careful (laughs) with who you talk about Blizzard games on Twitter because you'll either get people who are open-minded or people who are fanboys and fangirls that man you say they make me look weak you yeah you you gotta be careful what you say because they will push shit in your mouth that you did not say and I had that happen anyways my initial impressions and again and, and I toss around all the time the T the fact that it's a TF2 clone and that's not an insult. <laughs> like, you know, I enjoyed TF2, but mm-hmm. I do want some stuff that's more original and I want more from it. And I did have quite a few issues with the game when I did the last beta. Enough so that it was, I had no plans on, on, on buying it. And then this came about, and it's one of those, again, I'll go into it with an open mind, see if enough has changed and fixed, etc., etc. And so we actually played quite a bit my son and I and while there are certain maps that are still easily exploitable that are just a pain in the ass because they were not designed well enough (laughs) that's just something that you got to live with and it'll keep getting tweaked kind of thing the class balance for the most part was fixed quite a bit. Oh, the, I'll disagree with you on that. There's one. still some problems. I'm not saying there isn't problems. Like Diva is just ridiculously overpowered. There's Screw still that, two Reinhardts and two Bastions on a sitting on top of a fucking shuttle, and you can't fucking dislodge them. Yeah, there again, there are some problems, but it's much better than the last beta that I played through. Way, way better. 
So we tried a crap load of the different characters. I tended to focus on a, a couple, but I did make sure to try them all and play through several games with them all. But uh, I really enjoyed the Widowmaker. Like, the gameplay for that character is phenomenal, really good. And then the um, the, the robot samurai dude who shoots uh, throwing stars, that dude like is Genji? fucking awesome. God, I love him. Genji Genji's really fucking Oh, cool. my God. And, and he, he feels like a ninja. Yeah, and his bouncing around and double yeah. jump for him. And you can teleport while you're bouncing a double jump. It was like, oh, my God. He was awesome. I played a lot of him. So, anyways, all that just to say, I played that one. And then also over the course of the last two weekends, there's been Battleborn betas on mm-hmm. PS4. Um couple weekends ago and then last weekend was the xbox one and and on steam i'd played both of them like i said and i wasn't crazy about how it handled on console at all and i was joking around with with oh like destiny has spoiled us oh god yeah it has (laughs) spoiled us because it it made me it reminded me which is appropriate because it's gearbox of the handling of Borderlands, the pre-sequel mm-hmm. on, on PS4. I just did not like it. So I figured, okay, well, it'll be better on Steam. The problem with the, the PC version, well, it's the same problem as the other ones, just is far more noticeable when you're playing on a computer because the screen is so, so close to you, is there is so much going on on your screen. Various lights, effects, glow things everywhere. There's so much noise going on that it is not only distracting, but it's annoying as all hell. Like, really annoying. I love the humor. I love the writing. The encounters were, eh, so-so kind of thing, because I did a lot of the the uh, the two things that were open, the episodes, quote-unquote episodes, whatever the fuck they were called. And, um, and they only had certain heroes that you could use. And I found some that were better than others that I enjoyed more. But there's just too much going on on the screen, like way too much. And yeah, it, I just I couldn't stand it anymore. I could only play for a little while, and then my eyes were getting sore. It felt like I was bleeding from my fucking eyeballs. There's just too much, and some classes even more. Like dude with the the laser swords, the ninja dude, whatever the fuck he is. Holy crap! You get so much shit going on on your screen from his swords whipping around. It just was. Horrible. So as much as I wanted to prefer Battleborn, I wound up really enjoying Overwatch significantly more. And in terms of the aesthetics of the game, Overwatch blows Battleborn out of the water, in my opinion. And then in terms of, again, not being so distracted by noise on the screen, but rather being able to concentrate and have some form of strategies and different things like that. Once again, Overwatch did a far, far better job. And then in terms of the characters, in so much as the the, the few characters that Battleborn actually allowed you to play, they weren't bad, but in terms of handling and everything else, I still kind of give the nod to Overwatch. So I was quite surprised. Again, I went into it with an open mind, but I still kind of was thinking, eh, if the last beta is any indication, I probably am not going to be crazy about this. Loved it. To the point where I almost pre-ordered it. I'll wait and see and decide, but I came pretty close to pre-ordering it. 
I will honestly say after this last one, my biggest problem with Overwatch when in the previous betas was I didn't have enough people to play with. Right. And and I find this now when I play these type of games, I really want to have like a group that I'm comfortable with to play with, mostly because I tend to do really stupid things on purpose and I don't feel like getting yelled at. I feel like rather laughing with people on voice chat, like, oh, I'm going to go launch myself off the edge now to see if I can. Um, I was able to do that this beta because a lot of the people in my local gaming group, every single one of them got in. So we were able to do a preset group and just queue together and just have fun. And I I felt that that was the first time since Overwatch has been announced that I really felt the value of it, I guess, would be the best way to phrase it. I don't know if that's the right way. No, no, you're right. Yeah. But that made me almost want to pre-order it, too. The only difference is I'm still hung up on the price. Oh, and God, that, yeah. I mean, $40 for a digital download with nothing is still a little steep, in my opinion. Um, $60 for a digital version with lots of goodies is still a little steep, in my opinion. Despite that, <laughs> I almost pushed the button. Dude, those D3 wings. <laughs> <laughs> the D three rings are cool, dude. Oh, Tracer, I've been playing a lot of God. Hots lately um, <laughs> with the same group. Tracer and Hots is stupid, stupid fun. The I'm, I'm going to agree with you in terms of the amount of enjoyment that you get with it, based on who you're playing with. Because the last beta weekend, I played some with my son, also quite a bit alone. This time, I only played a little bit alone, mainly with my son. But I make sure that I turned off the internal chat immediately voice chat as (laughs) well i I, no, that ain't gonna happen and so i would just go on discord with my son and so we would chat as we were doing it and well he's my kid the apple didn't fall far from the tree we have fun we kid around we're still trying to win but we're also having a lot of fun and that has a huge huge impact on how you then view the game as long as the game isn't horrible which again i go back to that other beta i stand by what i said there were far too many issues with it but this Again, certainly there were some issues, but it reminded me a lot of those hours upon hours of playing Team Fortress 2 with both him as well as oh, with yeah. my other son. And we used to have a blast doing that. We loved doing those games together. So, again, it was one of those where in if they can continue to balance which that's going to be a never-ending thing, obviously, because it's Blizzard and because of the type of game it is. And if they can continue to try to work the zones so that they're not as easily exploitable, which, again, they'll continue to do, obviously, I might very well bite the bullet and pick this one up. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna go one better, and I'm going to say I hope they learned a little something from the folks at Riot. Um, don't worry about character balance is the first thing. And and I'm not saying this because I feel that everything should be broken, but it shouldn't be your first concern. Environment and getting more champions in the rotation should be the primary focuses. Then when things calm down, you go back and fine tune. This worked really well for League of Legends. Um, other games that have done it that, that have tried to tune up front have spent way too much time doing it. Um, they stopped doing it with HOTS, and it's a lot of fun. It's like they make fun characters and then go back and worry and about them tuning them as yeah. they need to. And they focus more on the environment and more on the gameplay. And as long as they keep doing that and introducing fun new champions, I can see this being a very long-lived game. Yeah, so it was interesting anyways. Okay, we're going to call it a wrap at that. 
There were a few other things that we were going to chat about, but we can save those for next week anyways. So thank you for joining us for this episode. You can, of course, find the show notes at For The Lore. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also find us on Twitter at For The Lore or individually Joe's Loaders at J, Vince is Simodian, and I am Zen Buddhist. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.